Welcome to the Grace Chapel Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you're encouraged and built up in your faith as we dive into God's Word together. Enjoy the message. Are you ready for today? 2 Kings chapter 4. I want to preach a message to you today called A Miracle of the Heart. We're going to talk about moms today and the miracle that takes place in the heart. In 2 Kings chapter 4, we're going to stay right here this morning. We'll share some other scriptures, but we're going to tell one story of one desperate mother this morning who was able to access an incredible miracle from God. And I just felt like God gave me some insight on how she was able to do it. We want to learn from her today. So if you have your Bible, 2 Kings chapter 4, if you're new to grace, we're going to put the scriptures on the screen so you can follow along there. It says in verse 1, a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, saying, your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord. And the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. So Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. Then he said, go bar vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels, do not gather, just a few. When you've come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons and then pour it into all those vessels and set aside the full ones. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons who brought the vessels to her and she poured it out. Now it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another vessel. So the oil ceased. Then she came and told the man of God and he said, go sell the oil, pay your debt And you and your sons live on the rest. We have this incredible, incredible story of a widow who is unnamed, like many of the widows in the Bible. And she receives this incredible miracle of God, where it is a miracle of multiplication. Now, if you go into the word of God, and many of you know that that this miracle, you see something very similar in different places in the Bible. In fact, Elisha's spiritual father, who's named Elijah, actually had this miracle happen with another woman where there was a little bit of flour to make a cake and a little bit of oil. And there was also, in that particular case, multiple or a miraculous multiplication. Jesus, of course did this same miracle with five loaves and two fish where the little boy who brought his lunch to Jesus saw that take place as well. And whenever I see these miracles, I always think to myself, now how did that happen exactly? Like if I was this woman, right? Because the jar of oil couldn't be too big. It's just a jar of oil, right? So you imagine that it could fit in her hand. And so I'm beginning to ponder this miracle this week, and I begin to think about, okay, the miracle must have taken place inside the jar. Like she poured it now. Now, she probably held the jar in her hand, and she called her sons to come bring a vessel, and they brought a vessel. And now I can just picture her just not looking. 
like just closing her eyes and, and just, and the boys are going, it's working. It's, it's still flowing. And they fill up that vessel and there's another one and she could hardly look. Me, I would want to see inside the jar as to what is happening. Like, how is this taking place? The same with what happened with Elijah. The same with the loaves and the fish. I want to see it actually just multiplying, right? Because that's my curiosity. Because I'm thinking to myself that the miracle is taking place not in the empty vessel, not in the pouring. I think that the miracle is taking place in the jar. But here's what I felt like the Holy Spirit said to me this week. The miracle didn't just take place in the jar, the miracle actually took place in the woman. Come on now. That the real miracle that took place actually happened inside of her. Now listen, this was not just some random woman. This was not just some woman that we don't know her history. We don't know anything about her. We don't even know if she was a woman of faith. We know about this woman. This woman had a history. She was a woman of faith. Her husband was the spiritual son of the prophet that she's talking to. She knew the prophet. He knew her. She had been access or she had been exposed to to faith and prophecy and, and miracles and signs and wonders. Right, So she knew to go to the man of God and, and she was able to access this miracle. But I believe that the miracle really took place in her heart. And, and, and isn't that really what happens inside of a mom when a mom begins to give birth? Because the miracle is not just what happens in the womb. That is miraculous. But I believe this, that birth is not just a miracle of the heart, I should say this, birth is a miracle of the heart. It's not just a miracle of the womb. In fact, it's more a miracle of the heart even than it is a miracle of the womb. Is it a miracle of the womb? Absolutely. God's doing a miraculous work in there. But talk to any mom who's adopted a child, and she'll tell you this. Hey, there was no DNA. This baby did not, this baby wasn't formed on the inside of me, yet God did such a work in my heart that even though there's no DNA, there was a bond that God created between me and this child that is as strong as any other bond that there is. Why? Because it's a work of the heart, right? So what was it about this woman's heart that the miracle was able to take place and she was able to access this? I believe it's two things. Number one, it's a desperate heart. It is a desperate heart. We're invited into this woman's story, not when she's doing well, not when everything is going good in her life. We're invited into the story when things are at their lowest. This is the worst season of her life, the worst moment of her life. She's not at the spiritual sons conference taking a picture with Bishop Elisha posting it on Insta. Come on now, hashtag, you know, Spiritual Sun Conference, 850 BC. You know, she's not doing that. She's at the lowest point of her life. Her husband has passed, and she's going to the pantry to get food, 
and the food supply begins to dwindle until she gets to a place where there is no food. And she actually has to go to a loan shark and she offers up her sons as credit and collateral for a loan she can't pay back. And the creditor is calling in the loan. There's no money, there's no food, there's no job, there's no nothing. She's at the lowest point of her life and it's about to get worse. This is a desperate woman. This is a desperate mom trying to cling to her children. See, that's what she wanted. It's not that she wanted oil. What she wanted is her children. She wanted to hold on to her kids, right? And so that's what she's asking the prophet for. And in her desperation, she goes to the man of God. See, see, and the man of God says to her, because I love that fact that she goes to the man of God. And here's what she says to Elisha. She says, my husband, your servant, served God with all of his heart. Right? Isn't that what she said? Now listen, you know you're a man of God when your wife says you're a man of God. Huh? Because if your wife doesn't say you're a man of God, well, there's a problem. You're only a man of God if she says so. If she says so, then you are a man of God. Nobody knows more about you than your wife. And she said, my husband is a man of God. He has served God faithfully. And Elisha says to her, well, what do you have? What's in your house? He didn't say, what have you lost? That would have been too long of a conversation. Because she had lost, and she had lost, and she had lost. He just simply asked, what do you have left? And here is my definition for desperate. Desperate, right, is exactly this. It's when you've had more that you've lost than you have left. When what you have lost is greater than what you have left, you're desperate. And the truth is, is that many of us, we're just, we're just not that desperate. We've got a, a nest egg. We've got a credit card. And if we get into real, real trouble, we can either spend or borrow our way out of the trouble. But I know this. I know from life that trouble comes knocking on doors that finances can't answer. Did you hear me now? And there are things that happen to us that there's no credit card, there's no amount of money, there are problems that come our way, there are storms that come our way that finances cannot fix. And this woman was desperate, right? She was desperate. There was no answer. She was in debt, and they were coming to take her children away. And in her desperation, the prophet says, what do you have left? And she says, I have nothing but one jar of oil. Because some of you are thinking, hey, pastor, I am in a situation where I am desperate. And I feel like so many people have walked out of of, of my life. I, I feel like the situation is hopeless. It just can't turn around. There's nothing to cling to. I can just encourage you. When everybody has walked out, when you have nothing left, hold on to just one thing. Hope. It is the anchor for your soul. If you've got nothing left, you at least need to hold on to hope that the situation that you're in 
can and by God's grace will turn around. Amen? I don't know if you've spent much time in Lamentations. You probably didn't read it this week. But I know this, you've sung it. If you've been in church for any length of time, you've sung from Lamentations. I want to read to you from Lamentations chapter 3, and here's what it says. It says, peace has stripped me away, and I have forgotten what prosperity is. I cry out, my splendor is gone. Everything I had hoped for from the Lord is lost. The thought of my suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. That's a desperate situation. The next verse says, Yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. Church, I said, great is his faithfulness. Come on. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh every morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. Your desperation needs just one thing to hold on to, and that's hope. And she held on to one thing. For her, it's a jar of oil. For us, it's hope. If I could just cling to that, I know that God can multiply my hope. My hope can turn into faith. My faith can access the miracle of God. So I know that whatever situation I'm in, if I just cling to hope, amen, just hold on to hope. The second thing you need, not just desperation, I believe you need an obedient heart. Because you have in this story the audacity of a prophet who asks a woman in debt to go and borrow more. She's in debt. And he says to her, go borrow. And she's thinking, that's embarrassing. My neighbors know the situation. They know that the creditors are coming. They know that my sons have been put up for collateral. They know that I have lost everything. I mean, there was a time when, when people came knocking on our door looking for spiritual help. There was a time when my husband was known and he would give prophetic words. There was a time that we moved in, in great circles. But now here I am. I am. I am no longer in those circles. My neighbors look at me and they look at how far I have fallen. And now you're asking me to go knock on somebody's door and borrow what? Empty jars they're going to think I'm crazy, right? And now I have to be pitied. And now I have to be ridiculed. And now I'm going to be looked down upon. Yeah, yeah, but really, it's not that hard. See, sometimes we look at the plan and purpose of God and we think, oh, how hard it is to follow God. No, no. Now, how hard it is to access a miracle. No, no, it really actually, if you look at the word of God, God didn't ask anything of her that she didn't already have. And the same is true for you. 
The same is true for the boy that brought his, his fish and his, his bread. You're telling me he was the only one that brought lunch that day? No way. He was just willing to give it. And so he, he brought what he had. He didn't bring what he couldn't. He brought what he had. The woman that Elijah had multiplied, the cake and the oil, she gave only what she had. You can't give what you don't have. And so he's saying to this widow, what do you have in your house? If you're willing to be obedient, then you can access the miracle. And listen, it's not that crazy. It's really not. Following God is just consistent obedience. And if you can, watch this, if you can match desperation with consistent obedience, I believe you can access any miracle that you need for your family, for your finances, for your physical body, right? Because that's exactly what this woman did. She went knocking on doors. Hey, I was just wondering if you have an empty jar in the house. Oh, boy. She's really fallen on hard times. Here's your jar. I mean, jar after jar. The Bible doesn't say how many she got. We know it was probably more than just two or three. It could have been 20. It could have been 30, right? But she's willing to do whatever it takes to access the miracle that she needs. In the very next chapter, there's a man who is an army commander. He goes to his king, desperate for healing. The king sends word to the king of Elisha. Elisha finds out about what's happening, and he says to this man whose name was Naaman, go dip yourself in a muddy river seven times. And the man says, that's ridiculous. Yes, but it's easy. Come on now. It's ridiculous, but it's easy. Because some of you, God is just looking at you going, hey, here's what I want from you. I want you to get up 45 minutes early. I want you to open up this book. I want you to pray, and I want you to seek my face every day for 45 minutes. And you say, God, I love sleep. Yes, but are you desperate enough and willing enough to be obedient to access the miracle? Because it's not that hard to give up sleep. You do it every night sitting on your phone. Not you, other people in other churches. <laughs> Come on now. It's really not that hard. God may say to you, hey, for the next 30 days, no secular music. I want you to saturate yourself in worship. I want you to listen to worship every moment of all day. I want you to have it playing in your house. I want you to have it playing in your car. Just saturate yourself in worship so that you can access something you haven't ever been able to access. You want the miracle. How desperate are you and how willing are you? Turn off the golden oldies. And those other stations, come on, you know what stations. You know what stations I'm talking about. And get desperate because Isaiah chapter 1, verse 19, we saw this weeks ago. It says, hey, if you're willing and you're obedient, you'll eat of the good of the land. Amen? So when desperation attaches itself to obedience, wow. So what is God saying to you? You say, well, that sounds ridiculous. Well... 
Huh? That's just what he's called you to do. It wasn't hard for Naaman to dip down seven times in a muddy river. In fact, one of the servants said to him, if he'd have told you to do something spectacular, you'd have done it. If he'd have told you to do something, go climb a mountain, find some crazy fruit, make some crazy dish out of the crazy fruit, and then eat it, you know what I mean? You probably would have done it. How easy it is to walk into a river and just dip down seven times. And finally he said, you know what? That's right. It's really not that hard. And some of you, God's saying, hey, I just want you to open up this book. I want you to spend time with me. I want you to break off some of the addictions and the strongholds. I want you to just make sure that your heart is pure and clean. I want you to break off certain relationships. I want you to turn off certain channels. I want you to turn off certain things so that you can spend time with me because I want to take you to a place where your desperation meets obedience and you can access what you need for the miracle that your family needs. How desperate are you? Jesus, in his very first sermon in Matthew chapter 5, here's what he said. Blessed, this is how he starts his whole theology. His whole first sermon, the first verse of his whole theology, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who come to God and say, I have nothing to offer, I am in need of everything. It has nothing to do with money, everything to do with spiritual thirst, everything to do with spiritual hunger. I'm desperate. And she was able to access this incredible turnaround, right? Because in her desperation and her obedience, she shut the doors of her house. Of course she did. She don't want nobody to see the craziness that was about to take place in that house. She shut the doors of her house And she began to fill up jar after jar after jar after jar until she got to a place where there was no more vessels, no more empty vessels. And when she ran out of empty vessels, the Bible says the oil ceased. The miracle was only limited by what she was willing to give to God. That's it. The miracle was only limited by what she was willing to give to God. There is a miracle that takes place. So many places around the world, you hear of God's miraculous power, and sometimes we think, God, why not me? Why not my family? We sang this morning, you're the same God, right? He's the same God. Why can't we access it? And I just wonder if sometimes I look at my own life and go, am I really desperate enough? And and if I am desperate enough, then that should show up in my obedience to him. So it's a simple question. What is God calling us to do to see the situation in our family turn around? Because I know some of you, if, they, if anybody ever went after your kids, come on, ladies. I know y'all sing and dance, and we're all spirit-filled, and love. we love. But somebody touches your children, oh, come on now. It's on, right? Well, the devil is doing everything he can to tear families apart, to rip children and grandchildren from the ones that have raised them, He's doing everything he can to keep men and women in bondage. 
And it is time, I believe, to get desperate and hungry and obedient. And if we'll do that, I'm telling you, I believe we'll see God turn situations around. It may not happen overnight. We may have to push through. We may have to press through. We may have to keep going, right? We may have to endure for a little while. But I promise you, when desperation meets obedience, things change. Amen? I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a minute. Thanks for joining us. And thank you to our Grace family who have been generously giving in to this ministry. For more information about our church, please visit gogracechapel.com. And give us a follow on Facebook or Instagram with the same handle, at Go Grace Chapel. Thanks again for listening. God bless you.